Hello and a very good morning to each and every one of you. I bring you greetings from me to you, from my living room to your living room. And it's such a unique and interesting situation that we're in now, isn't it? You know, for the month of April, our theme, theme has been on the church. And even though we may not gather physically as a church in the church building because of this current MCO, but yet because God has called us as the body of Christ, we still are the church. And, and this truth brings so much meaning now that the church is not a building, but rather the church is the people. And so wherever we are in our living rooms, in our homes, we, can, we are still called to make an impact wherever we may be. Now, I was just wondering, you know, even before we start this morning's service, what do you look forward to after this MCO? Well, surely, surely, every one of us is looking to the end of the COVID-19 virus. Um, we are praying and asking God that a vaccine will be found. We pray that the, God's guidance will be upon the scientists and those healthcare providers, that they'll continue to do a good work that they're doing. And we're so grateful to these people for all that they do. But even so, after the MCO is lifted, many people believe that things will not go back to the way it was before. So in a situation like this, since the emphasis of this morning is the church, how can the church respond in seasons like this? And so this morning, we're going to really consider what, are the, what is the situation that God has put us in right now and what is it that he has called us to do so that we can continue to be that positive influence, that salt and the light to those who are, who are around us. You know, in this uh, MCO period, I'm sure many of you have found um, challenges working at home, but you also found that, that there's an, an extra amount of time. Uh, whatever it is that you've been doing, there's this saying that says, no, you have time for what you choose to have time for. You have time for what you choose to have time for. And so this morning, it's time to draw near to God Let's just listen to what he has to say to us. Let's pray. Father, this morning, even as we are gathered here, we pray that your presence will be with us, which each and every individual in their living rooms, in their homes, uh, in their bedrooms, wherever it is that they may be. God, I pray that your presence will be with each and every one of us. And Lord, I also want to pray, Lord, that your anointing will come and rest upon me. Even as I share your word, Lord, I pray that your spirit will guide, your spirit will lead. And we pray, oh God, that you, you just begin to open our hearts, open our ears, Lord, so that we may receive from you the message that you want to speak to us. And, and we just want to pray, God, that in this time, Lord, oh Lord, have you, let your will be done in each and every one of our lives. Let your will be done uh, during the season of MCO and let your will be done, Lord, with this COVID-19 virus as well, God. So we commit this time to you. Speak to us and bless us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So I hope you're ready for the Word of God. And this morning, we're going to look at several passages that really talks about what the church can do in uh, a season like this, in difficult seasons like this. And I guess the first thing that many of us will ask, you know, in, in a season of difficulty and suffering is, God, where are you? And if you're part of a live cell, you'll know that we have started a new series that's called God, Where Are You? And it's, it's a series that talks about how when you're in a season of wilderness, when you're in a season of suffering and uncertainty, um, a lot of us will ask the question, oh God, what is it that you are doing? God, what's happening? And oftentimes, and all throughout the Bible as well, we see examples of God using seasons of suffering for a purpose. 
Now, we're going to look at an example of Job this morning. And wow, Job is a character who has been severely struck with suffering. And every time I come to this passage, you know, it, it, it astounds me. You know, um, the angels were just parading themselves uh, before God. And God was the one who actually calls up Satan. And it's as though, you know, like, uh, like Charipasa, you know, I just want to ask, hey, devil, you know, have you seen this servant of mine, Job? He's a righteous man. He's really good. And he has not sinned. And it's as if God was the one who was inviting the devil to bring calamity upon Job's life. And so it's interesting to me, it really uh, boggles my mind that God not only permits the devil to bring about suffering on, on Job's life, but rather he, he actually invited the devil to bring about uh, a suffering, a season of wilderness in Job's life. And so really when we look in our seasons, you know, we want to thank God that, that um, many of us, you know, I thank God that I'm healthy. I thank God that my family members, those who are my close friends, those who are around me, those who are in my circle are perfectly healthy. And we thank God, you know, that He has kept us safe at home and we're not suffering in severe manners like Job has been suffering. But I don't want to um, uh, put down those of you who, who really are going through tough seasons. I know that there are many of us who whose jobs are affected. You know, we're concerned um, about our, our finances. We're concerned about what's going to happen after this season. And I don't mean to put, put down these um, seasons of suffering, but I mean, I want to compare and look at Job's life. Uh, God, in the book of James chapter 1, verses 2 to 3, uh, God says this, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And I believe with all my heart, if you are going through a, a difficult season right now, uh, if you're going through a season of suffering, press on, persevere. Uh, and as the Bible says, consider it pure joy because God is doing something in your life. So persevere and press on and you will see the breakthrough that God has promised you. Now let's look back at the book of Job. You see, if you look, uh, if you're familiar with the story of book uh, of Job and you see from chapter one, he lost everything. He he. He loses his animals, he loses his oxen, his donkeys, his sheep, his camels. And these animals actually represent his wealth. Uh, they represent his source of income. And for some of the, the animals, it also represents his strength and ability to work. And all of these things have been wiped out from Job's life. But it doesn't end there. We also read that all the servants, except for the few messengers who brought this report, all of the servants were wiped out as well. And the servants all again represent his ability to work, his workforce, and the ability to regain whatever income um, that, that he has been uh, receiving up to this point. So we read that Job lost all of his wealth. He lost all of his source of income. He lost all of his servants and the ability to work and regain income. But not only that, we read in, this, in the passage that he also lost all of his children. And what do children represent? Children represent um, his legacy, his descendants. They represent his future. So Job lost all of these things. And so you can just imagine the kind of suffering that has come upon Job's uh, heart. And not only that, we read that he also eventually then lost his health and he lost his strength. I'm just going to read 
for you from the book of Job chapter 1, uh, verses 20 to 22. I'm going to see Job's response when he received these news of the calamities that hit him. Job chapter 1, verses 20 to 22. At this, Job got up and tore his robe and shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground in worship and said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. And in all of this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. I think that's an amazing truth there in, in itself, that Job, in spite of going through all his, of his sufferings, he still chose not to sin by accusing God of any wrongdoing. And already I just want to uh, uh, speak into each and every one of your lives right here, right now, that if you are going through a season of suffering, first of all, remember God, perm- not only does God permit, but he actually invites suffering into each and every one of our lives. And there is a purpose why he's doing these things. Uh, it may be to, to bring us to, to be better people, is to prepare us for greater things to come. But in your suffering, I appeal with you, just like Job, you know, do not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. Now, Job wasn't left without anything. In fact, we read that he still had his wife. And at this point in time, his wife was depressed. She as well lost all of her material possessions. And more than that, she lost her children. And for women to lose their children is is hugely, hugely depressing. And, And we can see that in the life of his wife, uh, her, her mental state, she was d- depressed and she was spiraling into uh, darkness. And Job also had three friends who came to comfort him. And these three friends are very interesting because they intended good in the beginning. They wanted to support their friend and mourn with him. But their encouragement eventually turned to accusations. And eventually, instead of being the good encouragement that they wanted to be for their friend, they turned out to be discouraging to Job. And we'll see that the more they tried to help, the more they made things worse. Uh, Job chapter 2, verses 9 to 10. Uh, sorry, verses 9 to 13. And here his wife says to him, Are you still trying to maintain your integrity? Curse God and die. But Job replied, You talk like a foolish woman. Should we accept only good things from the hand of God and never anything bad? So in all this, we read again, Job said nothing wrong. But when three of his friends heard of the tragedy he had suffered, they got together and they traveled from their homes to comfort and console him. Okay, And when they saw Job from a distance, they scarcely recognized him. Wailing loudly, they, the three friends, tore their robes, threw dust into the air and over their heads to show their grief. Then they sat on the ground with him for seven days and seven nights. No one said a word to Job, for they saw that his suffering was too great for words. So the friends did the right thing and they just, uh, they just showed up and they were present for Job in this difficult time of uh, suffering that he was going through. But what happened there? How was it that from their good intentions and and doing good, being there, being present for his friend, they eventually um, made things worse? And sometimes in seasons of suffering, uh, 
this is something that we can reflect as well. Now, how do you know what is the right thing to do when someone is suffering? How do you help somebody and be their support? Well, I believe that there is um, this thing that was going on. Job's friends had good intentions, but their motivations were wrong. You see, they wanted to control the situation that Job was in. They wanted to have answers that were from their own wisdom and their own understanding. The more they wanted to control the situation, the worse it became. And then ultimately, Job had to pray for, for God to forgive the sins of his friends. So the more they tried to help, the worse things got. And this happened because um, Job's friends had a desire to control and what they really needed was to surrender. And this morning, I want to um, title my message as the church's role in a season like this is the need to surrender. The need to surrender. We have a desire to control things, but we need to surrender. Now, how many times have you heard yourself say, you know, when you're talking to somebody and you tell them, now listen to me when I'm talking to you. And that's because you want to control a situation. How many of you feel really stressed up or troubled by this situation this season? Because it's out of your control and it's out of your hands. You, you want um, peace and quiet at home, but you can't because you're you're home in with family members and everyone's making a huge noise and you get upset. You get, um, uh, you're, you're, you get upset by the whole situation that is going on. We have a desire to control, but we have a need to surrender. And the situation in this, obviously, it is to surrender to God. Now, Job got it right because he knew that everything that he had was given to him um, by God. And that's why the scripture says that he did nothing wrong by accusing God. He knew that in every situation, in every circumstance, we had to surrender to God's rule. The second thing we want to look at is that even though you're going through a season of suffering and pain, there's always a purpose. There's always a purpose in your pain. And the second character that we want to look at from the Bible is the example of Joseph. Now we are familiar with Joseph and his story. Joseph at the beginning of his story was given a promise that in this promise the stars and the moon and the sun would all bow down to him. And it was such an amazing promise that was given to Joseph to say that he would be in a position that uh, in a place of a high position where other people would bow down to him and other people would have to listen to uh, his authority. But immediately after he received this, this dream from God, um, he went through a lot of suffering. Joseph was a character who also went through a lot of suffering. Now, because of his favor uh, from his own father, his brothers hated him and they plotted to kill him. But instead, they decided to make some money out of getting rid of Joseph instead. So they threw him into a pit and then they sold him off to slavery. Joseph ended up being brought into a foreign land where he worked for a governor, uh, worked in a governor's house. And in this governor's house, we read that uh, Joseph did really well, continued to do what was good and God was with him. 
And in spite of all that he was doing, he maintained um, a life that was righteous. He continued to do what was good. We read that here in this place, the governor had a wife who was absolutely attracted to Joseph. And it got to a point where the governor's wife wanted to seduce him. And this was, again, Joseph's test. You see, if, if um, Joseph wanted to take things into his own hands, um, he was in a position uh, uh, where he was working in a foreigner's house. And if he could seduce the wife who was already interested in him in the first place, you're thinking that, you know, perhaps Joseph could get more favors. Perhaps he could get certain things that are nice uh, that he couldn't have before because he was only a slave. But Joseph chose to maintain his righteousness. So not only did Joseph um, learn to surrender to the will of God, but Joseph continued to do what was right. Okay, so Job continued to say the right things. He didn't accuse God of bad things. And Joseph continued to do the right things, righteousness in the eyes of God. Joseph maintained his righteousness and he ended up being falsely accused by this governor's wife, and then he was eventually thrown into prison. Now, how, how many of you have, uh, uh, just, just think about this, you know, you do what is right and you try your, your best, even though there's so much temptation in this world that, that uh, attempts us to do what is wrong. But we continue to do what is right. We continue to do things that we, we think pleases God. And then we end up in prison we end up in, in, in places that are worse than before. Wow. Now, if that were me, you know, I would, I'll be thinking, you know, God, what's the point of all of this? You know, why do I have to maintain righteousness? Why do I continue to do what is right if things are just going to get from worse to worse? And this is the position that we find Joseph. He continued to do what was right. He, he received a wonderful promise from God, but immediately after receiving that promise, suffering. And from things just gets from bad to worse. But yet, if you know and you're familiar with the story of Joseph, Joseph continued to persevere in his suffering. And we read that God's loving presence, God's faithful presence was with him. And God granted him favor in the prison that he was at. And... Um, even there in the prison, he could have fallen into depression, but Joseph persevered. You see, in the prison, there were two other people. And these two other people had a dream, each of them. And so here is Joseph. You know, Joseph himself had, got, had a dream. And, and instead of things going well for him, it got so much worse. If Joseph had been selfish, if he had been more self-focused, you know, he could have told these two prisoners, Ha, you have a dream? So did I once, but look where it's got me. You see, Joseph could have been bitter by his experience. But instead, Joseph continued to help other people. You see, Joseph was not someone who was self-seeking, but uh, he was not self-serving, but he was serving others. Okay, so instead of saying no to these people, that it's no point, have, yeah, I know it's pointless to have dreams, uh, Joseph tells them out. He, help, he helps them out instead, and he says, Tell me your dreams and I can help you interpret them. Wow. Now, isn't that wonderful? Don't we all wish that we had someone like Joseph? You know, whenever we, we have a, a vision or a dream from God and we just don't understand what it means sometimes, that God will just send someone along your way and say, 
tell me your dreams. Maybe I can help you to, to interpret your dreams and perhaps help you to achieve them as well. Many of us want this kind of help, want this kind of support in our lives. And this was what Joseph was being. He chose not to be bitter by his own uh, personal experiences, and he chose to be a blessing to other people as well. Let me help you achieve your dreams. Okay, so never mind the fact that one of them uh, ends up dead uh, after the dream. But you see, Joseph didn't know that. Uh, he didn't know that the, the dream was uh, prophesying destruction. Uh, but what was important is that he was still willing to help the other people. Okay, he was willing to focus on others and not his own misery. So here's what's, what happens. Joseph interprets the dream for the cupbearer. The cupbearer was eventually restored and he began to live his dream. Okay, he was restored back to the side of Pharaoh. He was um, uh, in, a, a, in a good position. He was happy. He was out of prison. This man, the cupbearer, had lived and entered into his promise. But you see, Joseph asked this cupbearer to remember him. Uh, he watched this cupbearer being restored and living his dream, but he himself was still in a prison. When it comes to this point, um, Joseph could have given up on God. But we know that he didn't because the Bible tells us that God was there with him and God caused everything that he did to succeed. And that is found in the book of Genesis chapter 39 to 23. And then when it came finally to Pharaoh's turn to have a dream, Joseph was finally remembered by this cupbearer and this, it was two years later and he was summoned. Joseph was asked to interpret the dream and here's the beautiful part. Pharaoh summoned Joseph to come before him and Pharaoh says to him, I hear you are a man who is able to interpret dreams. But the beauty of Joseph's answer, listen to this. It is impossible for me to do this, but God can interpret your dreams. Do you see the beauty of Joseph's response? In spite of the suffering and the difficulties that he has gone through, he was able to recognize that the abilities that Joseph had, his ability to interpret dreams, comes solely from God. And so maybe it was during Joseph's time in the prison that God was shaping his character. Uh, God never abandoned him. God was always there with him. God was seeing him through, uh, blessing the work of his hands. He was, um, he was able to succeed in all that he does. And Joseph recognized God's hand in his life. And so when, when people praised Joseph, he was able to say, it is not me. These things are impossible for me, but nothing is impossible for God. And he can do for you what he has promised. So continue to trust in God. You're going through a season of difficulty, a, a season of challenge, but persevere. Nothing is impossible with God. He's shaping you to have the right character, to have the right mindset, so that you can be powerfully and effectively used in the future. Just as Joseph was. And after Joseph interpreted Pharaoh's dream, this was about 13 years later, 13 years from when Joseph first received the dream from God, and then from the time when he is actually put in the high position, he was put as the prime minister, prime minister of one of the most powerful empires of his time. 
Here is Joseph, uh, 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 who was a boy uh, from a, a foreign country, who was sold as a slave, who was working in a governor's house, who was thrown into prison. And after going through all these challenges, he is now in the high position. He has come to the fulfillment of the promise that God has given him. But it took him 13 years to get there. But the story of Joseph doesn't end there. You know, um, there is still the issue of Joseph's brothers, his father, Jacob, and his other 11 brothers. Now, they were still out there in, in Canaan, and uh, um, God had a plan in place. Now, remember, I said earlier that, that, that in all of our pain, God has a purpose, okay? And this is it. You see, um, because of the horrible things that Joseph's brother did to him, they were very, they were very afraid of him. Um, they they were in remorse because they saw the kind of um, sorrow uh, their father Jacob had been when 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 they, when he thought that he lost his son Joseph, and because of the sorrow that hit their father Jacob, the other brothers were in remorse and they regretted greatly what they had done. But to fast forward the story, um, we know that Joseph. Uh, eventually invites Jacob and his brothers to come and live with them because there's a great famine all across the land and they didn't have any food so they had to travel into Egypt because Egypt had uh, food because of God's wisdom upon Joseph and so so long story short um, Jacob and his 11 other sons moved in to live with Joseph in the land of Egypt and there they were preserved and that was God's plan and purpose to preserve Jacob and his lineage. But here's what happens, and it's at the end of the book of Genesis, chapter 50. Um, Jacob had died. And because Jacob the father had died, the other brothers were afraid that Joseph would finally take revenge on them. And this is from the book of Genesis, chapter 50, reading from verses 14 to 21. After Jacob had died, and after burying Jacob, Joseph returned to Egypt with his brothers and all who had accompanied him to his father's burial. But now that their father was dead, Joseph's brothers became fearful. Now, now Joseph will show his anger and pay us back for all the wrong we did to him, they said. Verse 16, so they sent this message to Joseph. Before your father died, he instructed us to say this to you. Please forgive your brothers for the great wrong they did to you for their sin in treating you so cruelly. So we, the servants of the God of your father, beg you to forgive our sins. And when Joseph received this message, he broke down and he wept. Then his brothers came and threw themselves down before Joseph. Look, we are your slaves, they said. But Joseph replied this to them, Don't be afraid of me. Am I God that I can punish you? You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. No, don't be afraid. I will continue to take care of you and your children. So he reassured them by speaking kindly to them. In spite of all the suffering that Joseph went through, he recognized the greater purpose of God. 
And that great purpose of God for his life, through his pain, was so that he could save other people. Joseph recognized that his promise that he had received from God was not just about putting him in a high position, but he recognized that promises that come from God needs to not just bless himself individually, but to benefit others as well. In all that he went through, Joseph had to continue to trust in God. He had continued to do what was right. And ultimately, his promise had to benefit others also. It was not selfish. And so we have to remember once again, in our suffering times, we may try and fix things by our own wisdom, our own ability, but oftentimes trying to do things our way will only thwart God's plans and will probably end up in greater suffering than before. We may have a desire to control, but we have a need to surrender. Ultimately, God's plans and God's ways are always higher. His comprehension is way, way better than anything that we can understand. Trust in God. Persevere. We have a desire to control, but we have a need to surrender. And so, if the purpose of our pain and suffering must also be for the benefit of other people, then the final point that we need to ask ourselves is this. What can I do for you? What can I do for you? So for this part, we're going to look at the example of Jesus himself. Now, we know Jesus went through a lot of suffering too. And we also, we're going to look at the example of the disciples. Okay, so we're going to read from the book of Mark chapter 10. And here in Mark chapter 10, we join Jesus and his disciples who are from Galilee and they're on the road towards Jerusalem. In Mark chapter 10, uh, Jesus again predicts his death. And this is about the third time that he's been telling his disciples what is going to happen to him. That he's going to be killed, he's going to be crucified, and on the third day he's going to rise again. And in the midst of all this, uh, reminding the disciples that, that um, Jesus is about to, to, to suffer, his disciples, James and John, comes up to Jesus and asks him for a favor. Now when you think about this for a while, um, Jesus is a rabbi, who is teaching and, and, and teaching things that are totally different from what they've been understanding all this while. The disciples and the people of Israel up to this point have always been waiting for a Messiah who will deliver them mightily from the hands of their oppressors. And all throughout his life, Jesus has been teaching them that this is not to be, that, that the kingdom that Jesus has been talking about is the kingdom of God. He is not here on this earth to overthrow, to destroy, but rather he's here to save the world. And Jesus is, has been repeatedly telling the disciples that I've come not to conquer, I've come not to destroy, but I've come uh, that lives may be saved. And he's telling them that he is about to die. He is going to be crucified even as they enter into, Ro uh, into Jerusalem. But immediately after Jesus tells his disciples these things, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, comes up to Jesus and asks him for a favor. I said, Lord, we want you to do this one thing for us. And so Jesus, uh, so Jesus tells them, okay, what is it that you want? 
And we know that James and John, this is a familiar passage to us. It is Mark chapter 10, verses 35 to 37. They say that we want positions of importance on your right and on your left. But wait, 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 Jesus, not, we're not talking about when you have to go through your suffering. We're not talking about when you go through the hanging on a cross. Uh, we don't want to be on your right or your left during that time. But when you come to your prominence, when you, come, when you have come to your power, remember us, Jesus, and put us in positions of your right and on your left. Wow. Here we hear again James and John trying to take control of their situation. And when the other disciples hear about this, oh, they get upset. They get upset not because of James and John's um, seeming uh, disgusting requests, but they get upset because they themselves didn't think about it first. And when Jesus hears about it, that they are squabbling and fighting. In verse 43 to 45, Jesus teaches them this very important teaching that we have heard many times before. You know that the leaders of this world lord it over themselves, but not so with you. Even Jesus the Messiah has come not to be served, but to serve and be the ransom for many. You see, God gives us promises. And he leads us through sufferings and trials so that we can be shaped and so that our characters can be developed. But when he brings the fulfillment of the promise, it is not for your own benefit. It's not for you to get gain high positions. And you see, even in the disciples of Jesus Christ who had spent three years journeying and learning from Jesus, they still didn't get it. They still fought amongst themselves about who is going to be the greatest. And it requires Jesus to teach them that you are not meant to be like this. Not so with you. You're not supposed to be uh, like in high positions so that you can boss other people or so you can have the things that you want, so you can uh, have nice material, material, material things that will, will give you comfort and enjoyment. But rather, in the fulfillment of your promise, God's desire is that you be a blessing to other people. The Messiah himself, Jesus himself, has come not to be served, but to serve others and be the ransom for many. And so this was a teaching that Jesus is leaving it with disciples. And immediately after this lesson, we read about blind Bartimaeus. And this is where we want to look at the scripture passage in the book of Mark, chapter 10, verses 46 to 52. Then as they are on their journey from uh, Galilee to Jerusalem, they reached Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus, that is the son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Excuse me, be quiet, many of the people yelled at him. But Bartimaeus only shouted louder, Son of David, have mercy on me. When Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, Tell him to come here. So they called the blind man. Cheer up, they said. Come on, he's calling you. Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. My rabbi, the blind man said, I want to see and Jesus said to him, Go, for your faith has healed you. Instantly, the man could see, and he followed Jesus down the road. 
Now, if you are familiar with the book of Mark, you know that um, the author, when he writes this story, is always in a rushed kind of um, pace, that everything is in a hurry and everything was very fast. But in the midst of Jesus' journey to Jerusalem, where he was to fulfill uh, the word that God, his father, had given him, Jesus stopped. In verse 49, Jesus stopped and he paused so that he could minister to other people. And it's very interesting that when uh, finally he, they called Bartimaeus to come up to Jesus and Jesus turns to Bartimaeus and perhaps, you know, he just cheekily, cheekily glancing at James and John, he says, Bartimaeus, what can I do for you? What would you like me to do for you? And the response of Bartimaeus is, Lord, I just want to see. Lord, I just want to see. And Bartimaeus' request was not to be on the right or left of Jesus' side, just as John and James had done earlier. His request was not of positions of, of uh, high places, positions of comfort and wealth. He had a most basic need, and his need was to see. And I believe that um, Mark position these two stories side by side for a reason. And this question of, really, Bartimaeus may have been physically blind, but it was the disciples who were spiritually blind. They could not see that um, Jesus came for a greater purpose. They could not see that, that um, the suffering and the pain that they eventually would have to go through was God's purpose of preparing their character for greater things to come. You see, when we learn to let go of our own desires, when we learn to let go of our, our need to control things and we begin to surrender to God, that's when God is able to do His mighty work in our lives. That's when God's will will be done in our lives. And that's when our suffering, our negativity, our, our stress will turn to recognition that Truly, God is in control of all things. Um, we will receive peace knowing that God is still control. Now, we are assured over and over again that God will never leave us nor forsake us. If we continue to say the right things like Job was saying, if we continue to do the right things as Joseph was doing, and here right now as well, if we will ask God to let us see. God, let us see what is the need of the people who are around us. Yes, we ourselves may be going through um, challenges. We ourselves may be going through pain and suffering. But you know, we have certain resources and that, that we can use to be a blessing to other people. I know many of you have, have blessed uh, others in many, many ways. And one of those ways is through the food bank. Uh, many of you responded by, by a blessing in, in cash. And we assure you, you know, that, that money has gone out to help tremendously uh, help a lot of families who are truly in need and it was uh, so interesting that I was just having a conversation with one of our young adult leaders uh, just this morning and I was just asking him uh, how, how are things going with him if everything was fine and then he said this you know he said that um, all things are good but sadly eating too much and putting on weight oh, but he was very quick to correct himself he said no no I shouldn't say sadly I should say Thankfully, I'm eating a lot because there are so many people out there who are struggling 
um, who are worried about where their next meal is coming from. We've heard so many stories of people suffering and turning to um, crimes, turning to uh, desperate situations just because they don't know when their next meal is coming. And these are the people who are who have less than what we have. And God has placed us in positions. We have power, we have sh uh, strength, we have resources that can be used to be a blessing to other people as well. And so we need to ask God to remove our spiritual blindness. And we need to learn to ask Him to show us what can I do for those who are out there who are in greater need than myself. It is because when we serve others in this posture, that is when, when we imitate Jesus and that is when we are not far from the kingdom of God. We have a desire to control, but we have a need to surrender and to surrender to God's will. So in conclusion, even before Jesus was having this conversation with his disciples, he was teaching them this other thing, and that was to have a purpose and a meaning in life. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their lives will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. And here is Jesus' invitation to live a life of purpose. If we live life according to fear, then fear will always lead us down the path of self-preservation. Fear will always drive us to hoard food or to stock up on toilet paper so that we ourselves will always have enough. But when we learn to live our lives fully for the sake of the gospel, then we are told and we know that at the end of the day, at the end of our lives, God will have a reward in store for us. And that reward is truly worth it and truly great. A year from today, maybe three years, five years down the road, when we begin to retell the story of this MCO, what is the story that you are going to tell? Are you going to talk about how you learn how to whip up amazing new dishes? Or are you going to talk about how you made several cups of Dalgona coffee in a day? Or are you going to talk about how you were in the best shape of your life because you were able to uh, exercise and, and eat well and and keep healthy? Or is your story going to be a story about how, in spite of your own struggles, in spite of your own trials, you were able to be a blessing to other people? In this time of uh, challenge, let us continue to seek God. Let us continue to trust in Him that in every situation uh, that you go through, God has a purpose and God has a plan. Can we do something extraordinary during this MCO? Let the church of Jesus Christ, us, the body of Christ, be a blessing to those who are around us. Now this morning, if you have joined us for the first time or the first few times, we're so glad that you are here with us. I'm so glad that you have listened all the way until now. And perhaps this morning you heard about Jesus Christ and you heard about how he came to this world not to condemn it, but to save this world. And you're thinking that um, 
this season has been a season of stress and trials and difficulty. And you heard me talk about how Jesus brings hope. He brings promise of a good future. Then this morning, I want to give you an invitation. It's true. The Bible does tell us that Jesus came into this world not to condemn it, but to save it. And the Bible does tell us that for those of us who surrender and our lives to God, we have a better hope and a better future that is to come. This morning, if it is your desire to have this, if you want to have that kind of peace that uh, the, the Christian believers have, then I want to invite you to welcome Jesus into your heart. If this is your desire to know God better, to have and change your future, then let me just encourage you to pray this prayer along with me. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, I thank you, God, that there is a promise of a greater hope and a great, better future in store for me. This morning, Lord, I want to turn away from my struggles. Lord, I know that there are things that I've done in the past that is not pleasing to you. There are things that I've said that has wronged you. And God, I pray that you forgive me. This morning, I want to surrender my life. I want to welcome Jesus into my heart. Forgive me of my past sins and give me life anew. I surrender my desire to control to you and I surrender my whole life to you. Come Jesus and live in my heart. Come Jesus and take my life. I am yours. Lead me into a better life and into a better future. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Praise God. If you prayed that prayer this morning, then we want to rejoice along with you. The Bible tells us that whenever one of, uh, one of us is, comes to know Jesus as, his, as their personal Savior, the entire heavens are rejoicing. And that's what's happening for you right now. If you would like to, we would like to invite you to comment uh, in the comment section. Just let us know that you have prayed this prayer and one of the pastors would love to get in touch with you and to tell you more about what you can do uh, to build your life in Christ. Hallelujah. Now for the rest of us who are Christians, I, I believe the message has really spoken to each and every one of us this morning. And I want to pray for all of us as well, that if we have spiritual blindness, that God will heal us, help us to see and that in the midst of our struggles, that we will continue to persevere. They will continue to consider it pure joy, just as the Bible has told us to do. Let's pray. Amen. Father, I just want to thank you, Lord, for the word that you've spoken to each and every one of us this morning. Lord, we ask God you forgive us of our sins. If in this time and season of trials, we have said wrong things that have hurt you, if during our trials and difficulties we have done things that are not right in your eyes, Lord, we ask God that you forgive us. Help us, Lord, to consider trials and, and uh, that comes from you as pure joy because we know, Lord, that these trials are extending our perseverance in you. We pray, Lord, that you continue to keep us faithful, that you continue to keep our faith strong. We pray, God, that in the midst of our struggles, we will learn to submit to you, to surrender our desire to have control. We pray, O oh God, that you remove our spiritual blindness as well. 
Help us, Lord, to see others who have greater need than our own. Help us, Lord, to remember that you are always with us, that you never leave us nor forsake us. And if we'll learn to serve uh, you and to serve your gospel, ultimately, we will give true meaning and purpose to our own lives. Oh God, you and you alone are our reward and we desire for more of you in our lives. We pray, God, that you show us what, uh, what we can do for other people who are around us and we pray, God, that you will empower us by your Holy Spirit to be that greater blessing. Thank you, God. We commit ourselves to you. Be with us, guide us and bless us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.